1: A day podcast.
2: Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, May the 4th be with you. For those that are Star Wars nerds like me, welcome to the show, everybody. The Pack-A-Day Podcast post-draft, our first post-draft show uh, as a group. And honestly, it's only our second show together with my entire trio here. I've got Russell Brown of woodward and cover one russ how are we doing it's been a while
3: yeah i'm doing well fellas uh i think i missed the last one i believe i had a a meeting with woodward sports during that time so i wasn't able to jump on but i'm doing well draft is over been busy of course but i'm excited to talk a little packers and and obviously talking with you guys is always fun
2: and a big weekend for your Detroit Lions as well, which we'll get to here Mm -hmm. in just a moment. Also joining me as he has the last couple of weeks is Owen Reese. And Owen, I am going to pat us on the back a little bit because in our mock draft simulation, we did select two Georgia Bulldogs in the first round. They were two different ones, but, you know, bury the lead. And we did select three wide receivers, which the Packers did that as well. So, And two offensive linemen, they took three. So we're kind of in the ballpark. I don't think we got any of the guys right, but that's okay. We're doing okay. How are we feeling today?
4: We're good, man. Uh, 46 East-West Shrine Bowl players drafted, most since 2010. The Packers drafted two of them. Drafted my boy Zach Tom. Four of my 12 East offensive line group guys got drafted, and all 12 have signed undrafted rookie contracts. So we're doing good. Oh, yeah. Let me just say real
3: quick, Brock Hoffman should have been drafted. Go on.
4: Absolutely agree. I I was
2: shocked that he wasn't.
3: Yeah. Sorry.
2: Good for those guys. Congratulations to all of them. You guys heard yesterday. We were originally, I will say this. We were originally supposed to have the Christian Watson topic uh, for this particular day, but it didn't feel right on, on my end that we were doing that when I have two guys the day before me that cover North Dakota state football and get paid to do so uh, to do that. So we gave that topic and traded, made a trade uh, much like the, Packers did for Christian Watson, and we ended up tonight. Our topic is Quay Walker, the Packers' first pick. He went 22nd overall. And, Owen, I want to start with you because Quay all the way, is that correct?
4: That is correct. That was something. Um, had some correspondence with a member of the Packers' front office, uh, and that was the message that I was given was that because uh, I, had, I had asked, I was like, how much consideration was Jermaine Johnson given? Um, as he was sliding down the board. And yeah, that was the answer I got was it was Quay all the way. So
2: there you guys go. For anybody that's wondering, you know, what the Packers were maybe thinking as that dropped, or oh, could they could have gotten him in the second round or anything like that. Number one, I, I don't think that's true, just based on a bunch of different stuff that was going around this. The smoke that day was that New England could take him as soon as number 21. Um, and that was obviously one pick right before the Packers did. They traded out of that pick. They didn't do that, but I really don't know. I don't really like to play that game anyways. I don't know if Quay Walker would have been available at 28. If Green Bay would have, um, passed on him at 22. And I certainly don't think he would have been available at, at 53 or 59, just based on everything that was going on throughout the course of the day. And then, like you said, you've got that correspondence of Quay all the way. I've gotten uh, the Packers had like a top 10 to 12 grade on this guy. Very high to the point where, like, I don't know who would have had to be on the board for them to not pick Quay Walker. I mean, if you're thinking top 10 to 12, you're talking like Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, the offensive tackles, like a a very small group of players, obviously, when you get to 10 or 12, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. Just considering the Packers going kind of outside of their norm, which a lot of people were asking for them to do. They wanted them to go outside of what they have typically done, but it was to pick a wide receiver. And they didn't do that. Uh, they they stuck to their board and they picked the best guy. And Russ, I just want to kind of go through as that night progressed, obviously, that the Lions traded up for Jamison Williams at 12. And that was really to me the last receiver that would have been worth trading up for at all. And mm-hmm. then the Titans trade for the Eagles pick at 18 to take Traylon Burks. And then I was kind of like, okay, now there's really no point in trading for a receiver. And I don't know if there's really one worth taking at the slot. And then they took Quay Walker, obviously. So as that pick was approaching. Green Bay as we're getting on the clock. Just kind of put your analyst hat on as somebody outside of the, the fans as well. For those of you that don't know, Russ is in Michigan bases, Detroit Lions fan, um, which may not be such a bad thing here in the near future, but we'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later. But what's your what was your take just kind of as that board started to fall uh, for Green Bay and then obviously seeing, like you said, the receivers, there were what, four receivers gone by pick 12? I mean, really, there yeah. was no... No real good opportunity for Green Bay to move up and grab a guy that would have made sense. So as that happened, what's going through your head as you're approaching this from a Packers side?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you have six receivers gone in the top 20. Trevor Penning goes, the quarterback finally goes. And then obviously, like, the player that I thought maybe made some sense for them, goes to pick before Trent McDuffie I thought he would have been a fine fit there at 22 uh, just throwing him into that rotation of defensive backs that they already have and maybe that's a little rich for some people but initially I was thinking in my head I'm like okay safety here maybe it's Lewis scene, maybe it's Daxton Hill uh, again I just felt like maybe grabbing a secondary type player would have been really nice to have on the back end of the defense um, especially as you get later in the year some injuries maybe happen and then you get a guy that one starts gaining experience throughout the year, but. Ultimately, when you hear about Quay Walker being a top twenty five pick, I started thinking, okay, because that's what I had heard. You know, there's a chance he goes top twenty like pretty, pretty significantly. Obviously the runner receivers and a quarterback push him to twenty two. And then when i when I saw him on the board, I was like, okay this is the quay walker pick and it, it just it makes a lot of sense for them i mean he's going to he he he's versatile enough to i think play in a variety of spots i think he can rush off the edge for them at 64 241 i think he can play in the middle of that defense for them he's you know however they want to utilize him they can because he has the coverage skills he's got again the length he's got the potential as a blitzer uh, with the athletic profile that he has I, I like his skill set a lot. My biggest concern, and I, again, I'm, I'm not on the quay all the way train like maybe some Packers fans are, or even just like the, the front office was for him. My biggest concern is what you see is what you potentially could get. Not saying that's a bad thing because, you know, he's a, he's a proven player in the, at the college ranks, but he's had 52 games played. I see a lot of stuff come up like he's raw and underdeveloped, and maybe that's true. I don't know, but I don't believe that. I think, you know, there is some untapped potential there, but ultimately I see, you know, a guy that's played 52 games in his career. What you see is what you're going to get. I think you're going to get a hell of a football player and he's going to plug in the middle of that defense and be, you know, pretty productive for them.
2: So thinking on that, and first of all, I don't know, Owen, maybe my timeline looks different than yours, but I think the pick wasn't met with uh, enthusiasm, so to speak, until the justification, I guess, that always comes after the fact, usually every, every fan eventually talks their way, like people talk their way into the Jordan love selection, just for example, at the time of the pick and just kind of everything going on after the fact. But um, not that I'm going to sit here and tell you Jordan loves like the worst first round pick ever or anything like that, but just kind of based on what you were seeing, I didn't get the impression that the pick was a popular one at the time. Right.
4: Well, I think a lot of that's to do too that people, I mean, want to be like you and I, as much as anybody, I don't mean this to like, as a, as a knock but everyone wants to feel right like everyone wants to feel smart everyone wants to know well the packers don't take linebackers in the first round so no they're not going to do that like i told one of my buddies that that day i was like well they're not going to take a linebacker the packers don't take linebackers right so when they go ahead and they pick a linebacker you kind of feel you're like oh well not like deceived but you're like well i don't know like that's not what i expected at all i wasn't all geared up for that i wasn't ex- like I was all excited for Lewis scene and I was all excited for Jermaine Johnson or for a receiver or whatever. Right. And then there's that like, kind of that like initial, like, well, I don't know. That's not who I thought they would take. I mean, And probably haven't watched a whole hell of a lot of Quay Walker because, because they, of, they like, weren't going to so take one. Right. Like, one and yeah. So there's, I mean, outside of that, I, I think for the most part, my stance on this is fairly well known or like I'm fairly counterculture. I, I try not to be too like contrarian for the sake of it, but like, as far as football is a lot more than like the casual fan and the way that football is presented nowadays is a lot. And you see it even with the rule changes is with like fantasy football. Right. And that's so, and and Mm -hmm. it's undeniable. It's a huge part of football as a whole now. Right. Especially at the professional level, because you can gamble with it. You could do that. There's hours and hours and hours of content dedicated to fantasy football. So, Fans in general, I think for the most part, unless you're a real diehard and sicko like we are, you're like, well, no, yeah, like I really want a receiver because it's something tangible. It's something you can like, well, I'm going to draft Christian Watson in fantasy this year. He's going to be on my team and that's going to be cool because he's on my team and he's on the team that I cheer mm-hmm. for. And that's going to be cool. No one's drafting Quay Walker to be on your fantasy team. Right. So it's a little bit different. Um, and I think too, like just to an extent, uh, I, would vehemently disagree with what Dan Orlovsky said about, like, he's not, you know, like, and making your defense better isn't going to win you. It's not going to get you any closer to a Super Bowl. That's not going to be the difference. That's whatever. Like, I whatever. But, like, you need good football players on your team. Linebacker has objectively been one of the weakest positions on the Packers roster for the last 15 years. Right? Mm -hmm. We hadn't seen one taken in the first round since A.J. Hawk. And I really liked A.J. Hawk. But if you talk to the average Packer fan now, they don't have a very positive opinion of him. Right. So, like, if he or Nick Barnett have been the best you've had at that position in the last 20 years, Nick Barnett was a good linebacker, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, if you've got one noteworthy dude at that spot in 20 years, and you're gonna complain about taking a guy who, by all accounts, is how you build a linebacker in the lab, right? Like he has deficiencies, he has what like he has shortcomings. That's fine. He's a human being. But the dude's 6'3", he's 240 pounds, he'll run through your face, is athletic enough to kind of cover, right, and is really smart and he's really efficient with his stuff. Like, I, if you're mad about the Packers adding a good football player in the first round on a player that they very clearly valued and had a lot of high opinions of to an organization that theoretically has been grouped into the doesn't value linebackers because it's not a primary position thing, I feel like at the very least The hesitance has to stem from some type of, I don't want to say like deception, but right, like either you have bought in personally and invested to the philosophy that you believe that the team that you cheer for has adapted or works by, and that your opposition to this has to have some type of personal investment in that, right? Because like at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers drafted who they believed to be the best linebacker in the draft. Mm Mm-hmm. And by all quantifiable ways, size, speed, athleticism, production, success, he checks all those boxes. So I really don't know what you're upset about other than that you just like, unless you as a person or as a fan didn't believe that linebacker is a need or isn't a position that needs to be improved or isn't a valuable position for that asset. Because outside of that, there, I mean... He's a starting linebacker on the best defense that's probably ever played college football or at the very least in the modern era, right? Like Mm -hmm. in a a day when teams, 95% of the teams throw the ball 40 times a game, especially you're going to have to against a defense like that when you can't run. Right. So like he's a valuable player. They thought highly of him. He has no true, like glaring weakness. Like what, like what else is there to really be upset about? It might not be what you wanted and it might not be what you predicted, but at the end of the day, there's nothing actually wrong with it.
2: No, and here's the – so the discussion that comes out of this, and there's so much analysis and stuff that go into things. And, and, Owen, you've talked about this a little bit just now. And with us having 24-7 access to takes, twitter.com is a, a take machine. That's all it is. And we spend so much time in the lead-up to the draft that once we get outside of the draft – this is why I say they can't ever move the draft into March because on May 1st, Dan Orlovsky or May 2nd, excuse me, Dan Orlovsky is on a TV show on ESPN and saying that the Packers need to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, which the Cardinals aren't trading DeAndre Hopkins. So let's just Mm -hmm. get that out of the way. And two, the like the Packers aren't trading for DeAndre Hopkins, which I say all that to say the post draft stupidity that comes out because we're bored. And that's really all it boils down to is we're bored. There's no football to talk about. No tangible football to talk about, at least. So we bring up those conversations. I don't want to do that anymore. Can, can I make a... Please do. Uh,
3: I'm, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make a quick point to also kind of go off of what both of you guys are saying. And I, again, I'm from the outside looking in on this. So there is no fandom involved. There is no... There, there's no, no bias whatsoever. But like, I understand like how the national media can look at it and go, well, they needed to add a receiver to help you know, the loss of Devonte Adams and help Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. But like, like we just talked about to start the show, six receivers were gone off the board. The teams that were trading for receivers already had those deals in place. That wasn't something that happened in a 10 minute timeframe during the draft. They're like, Hey, we got the 23rd pick. Can we get Marquise Brown for you? Like that doesn't happen. Like it's one of those things where this all has been framework for quite some time, similar to the lions deal with the Vikings. But beyond that, like, Owen says draft good football players. I agree there. You draft good football players because, sure, you're in a window with Aaron Rodgers to potentially win a Super Bowl, but let's not forget, this is the Green Bay freaking Packers. You guys are in this hunt year in, year out, every single year, and it's been like that for decades. You guys are building for the future because the future tomorrow could be Aaron Rodgers wakes up and goes, I'm getting in the van, I'm going to the side of the mountain and living by the river, and I'm retiring and I'm out of here you guys will still need to have good football players on your team. And that's why drafting a guy like Quay Walker makes a lot of sense. So, like, I, I, I don't understand why people are upset when you look, again, at the board and how it fell. You want to force them to take a swing at the home run for potentially come back and bite you? bite you? Like, it, it doesn't make sense.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate –
4: Yeah, two things quickly. I'm sorry to cut in, Jacob. Two things. One, Ross is exactly right. Marquise Brown was in Phoenix for the draft party, right? Like, if you think this wasn't done beforehand, right? Like, this isn't some impromptu thing, right? Like, Hollywood Brown was literally at the Cardinals facility for the draft party or for their their fan, not the facility, but, like, their fan watch party or whatever, right? So, like, this is very predetermined. Um, And then the other thing, too, is, again, like – Maybe I'm maybe I'm incorrect here, but some some of this to me seems to stem from like a um, either a belief in how a team should be ran from their perspective, or like again like inherently or not, whether it's conscious or not, like the fantasy football thing. You're like lobbying that the Packers should have taken the seventh best theoretically, the seventh best wide receiver over who they had as like the number one linebacker right' <laughs> well, like who and, and unless unless we're saying unless we're saying that this linebacker class is putrid and like what like in what world would you ever take the seventh best of one thing over the best of the other like now I understand if it's like a true need right like we don't have a quarterback on the roster I need to take I need to take a quarterback right even if there's better players available but that's not the case. so like right. you're trying to build your team to be as, as good as it can at all times. So, like, I, I don't understand any argument of, especially, like, when we've discussed here, six of them, primarily who we would all assume are probably their top six targets there, right? Like, maybe Christian Watson mm-hmm. was rated really high. Who knows? But apparently he wasn't rated higher than Quay Walker. And so the fir- the top linebacker on their board over who would be the seventh, theoretically, right, maybe it's not, but the seventh receiver drafted over the first linebacker drafted and to have this, if you, if you really like want to just differ with the opinion, that's fine. But to insinuate that they made the wrong decision or it was a bad process or a bad pick because of that, I just simply can't buy into. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I that's, that doesn't fly with
2: Agreed. Yeah. And then you add in, here's the other thing too, is because the claim is, and it's not just Orlovsky. I know he's come up a bunch on this show, but it's not just Orlovsky. It's a lot of people doing the whole, they didn't move up and grab a receiver to help Aaron Rodgers, And it's like, well, they, they did. They traded two second round picks to go get Mm -hmm. Christian Watson at 34. Are you going to tell me that this draft would have been inherently better if they had taken him at 32 instead of 34? So we could get rid of that stupid graphic that they haven't taken one since 2002 I just don't understand that. And add in the fact that you can make a pretty solid inference at this point. Like we've talked about, all three of us kind of knew that they had Quay Walker ranked very highly on their board. Okay, cool. So they took him at 22. That was their best player that they had available at 22. Quay all the way, again, like we just kind of said. And then at 28, they got Devontae Wyatt, a guy that Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show during his appearance, and this is the part that makes me chuckle the most, is when everybody do the whole – Oh, they're disrespecting Aaron Rodgers. They're trying to make him angry. He basically said on the show, like, yeah, I I knew this was going to happen. I'm not worried about it. It's like, okay, so if the quarterback's not pissed about it, then what are we even doing? Like, why Mm -hmm. is that even a thing? But they take Devontae Wyatt at 28, who they really liked, by the way. And then six picks later, they get the receiver that they're going to have as their top rated receiver at the time. And they were aggressive and went and got him. Like, people are saying they gave up too much to go get Christian Watson, but you wanted them to give up that. And then honestly, probably more to move up and get a different guy, whether that was Olave, Jameson Jamison Williams, somebody else. But instead of doing that, they were able to get two guys that they really like to help their defense in spots that like people have been clamoring for 15 years. What do we hear every time draft season starts? Get Kenny help. Well, they did. And we're yep. pissed about it and, Oh, they need a linebacker. Now I get it. They signed to Andre Campbell. And that obviously comes into the equation here, but they're upset about that too. And I promise you the same people that were upset about the Quay Walker pick are going to be the first ones complaining about how Chris Barnes isn't good enough. If he has to play significant snaps as, Mm -hmm. or they were complaining last year when Chris Barnes was playing significant snaps as a linebacker. That's enough about the process because ultimately like, here's my take on process. Of course it matters to some degree, but at the end of the day, does anybody give a damn that they took AJ Dillon three years or two years, three years ago now, two years ago, however long ago it was at 62, because you quote, can't take a running back there. Probably not. Most people are buying AJ dillon jerseys and calling him the mayor of door County. That's the way those <laughs> things are working. Now, are you going to care years from now? If Quay Walker is a stud, like Quay Walker was compared by pro football focus to Devondre Campbell. If Quay Walker is 80% of what Dre was last year in green Bay, is anybody going to care? No, they're probably going to have number seven Quay Walker jersey. Sorry, Owen. And be really thrilled with the fact that they got a really good linebacker in that spot. So process, draft players, that's yep. draft good players. That's the way that I look at these things. And again, for the most part, there are exceptions to that rule. But at the end of the day, if a player is good, that's going to be the biggest concern is whether or not the player is good. And if you draft more good players than you don't, your team's going to be pretty good most years. And the Packers have been pretty good most years. That's enough of that. Let's move into how they're actually going to use Quay Walker now. And Owen, I want to start with you on this, because one of the things that I talked about post-draft that I kind of like about the pick, and I'm in the same boat that some of you guys were. I was surprised that they took Quay Walker because they haven't taken a linebacker. And I have even spoken in exact terms and said, okay, well, they're not picking a linebacker in the first round because they haven't done it. Number one, what I'm going to say moving forward on this is I think any analysis like that, they're not doing that, can be put to bed. Because it was first, they can't, they don't take old players. Well, they took a 24-year-old Devontae Wyatt and a 23-year-old Christian Watson. They were willing to take in the first round as well. They don't take linebackers. They took one of those. They don't take a guy with a certain athletic score. Like eventually, they took Kingsley Angabari. I know it was a fifth round pick, but you know his athletic scores weren't exactly the greatest. I think all of that analysis can be shoved out the window. And I could say, like, moving forward, I don't think they'll do this, but speaking in absolutes, which I think we've done a lot of in the last couple years, that can be done. But what I want to say now is that I kind of like about this defense, and I've talked about this a little bit since it happened, is what the Packers have done at linebacker for the last 10 years, maybe longer, is they've thrown out – they've had a couple different strategies. Number one, they've thrown out, like, literal trash cans full of dirt in the middle of the field. Jamari Lattimore, Brad Jones, Nate Palmer. There's a lot of not great linebackers that have come through Green Bay that we've tried to talk ourselves into. Like, oh, Lattimore's not that bad. Brad Jones is nice in coverage. Like, they stunk. All of them stunk. Or they did the Sean Richardson, Morgan Burnett, Josh Jones, Adrian Amos sparingly to some degree playing linebacker. Now, instead of doing that, and Gurukun's talked about this in his press conference what they're going to be able to do is they can kind of just play 245 the entire game if Quay Walker's good and for those that remember long enough ago when Vic Fangio was running that 49ers defense that beat up on those you know early 2010s Mike McCarthy offenses in Green Bay that's what they did they just kind of played their their base defense and they could they could play the run that way And they could play the pass because Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman were both so gifted. Now, is Campbell and Walker going to become Bowman and Willis? Probably not. I mean, that's a pretty lofty comparison on that side of things. But now what you're doing is instead of putting Henry Black on the field for 30% of snaps and Chris Barnes for 30% of snaps, you can kind of just combine those two. And Walker can play like the path is those 60% of snaps and maybe more. Who knows? If he's good, maybe there's more to do those kinds of things. Russ mentioned earlier that he could possibly do some stuff on the outside, rushing the passer as well. Maybe they take some of the snaps Orrin Burks did in that role last year to do a few of those things. If nothing else for me, what I'm excited about on that front is that green Bay is trying to do something different. Cause we've seen that defense now for 10 years with those DBs, crappy linebackers for lack of a better adjective, not work. And the defenses have been objectively bad. Like, bad. And we tried to talk ourselves into not good defenses being good enough. Like 2014's defense wasn't good enough, but we tried to think it was. 2019's defense wasn't good enough, but we tried to say it was. And I know the playoff game went really well last year, but last year's defense wasn't good enough. And we tried to talk ourselves into it like it was. From a game-to-game standpoint, the defense wasn't very good. Now you have one less weakness on that side of the ball. And you're able to play things a little more straight up, and especially in a in a world where tempo offenses, and Owen, you kind of mentioned the, the college football, the spread and everything like that. Teams play more no huddle than ever. And now you're not going to get caught with Chris Barnes on the field against three wide receivers, and he's not very good at moving in space. Quay Walker is. So talk to me a little bit about just their ability to kind of change things and play more with two linebackers on the field and whether or not you think that'll be a positive adjustment.
4: Yeah, I mean it's a huge deal. I mean we're not we're not two calendar years apart from Packer fans trying to convince themselves that Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes would be a good enough combo to start at inside linebacker to build around. I saw on Twitter those two are good enough to build around a fifth round pick and an undrafted rookie free agent. One of which isn't on one the of which is anymore. out of the league, <laughs> and that was the one that the was drafted. Anymore. Right, so like <clears throat> they signed. I mean they couldn't have asked for more out of Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell was a street free agent that was signed in February and in July that was hoping to be a average baseline. Like he walked in as a street free agent and was exceedingly the best player on the roster at that position. Like Devondre Campbell didn't have work in July and ended up being an all pro. And that's pretty cool. But like that position has in a very bad way needed upgrades for a very long time. Um, So yeah, but anyway. so anyways, Quay Walker, to me, was a guy that I was most impressed with, and I can't take credit for this because, like, I heard this from Deontay Lee first, um, who writes for The Athletic, who's is very good work. But when he said, and, and I took this away when I saw it as well, confirmed it, it said a lot to me that on a team that had three linebackers taken in the first three rounds and Channing Tyndall ran like a 4-4 and whatever else, that they asked – quay walker to play the overhang space role right like you've got nicobe dean you've got channing tyndall those are two third round pick linebackers nicobe dean is a lot better player than a third round pick right but like quay walker is i mean his ability to move his ability to play in space to feel route combinations to be able to sift through traffic uh as far as like when when bubbles and stuff are thrown that's really special for him to move that way at 6'3, 240, 245 pounds. That's a big deal, right? Like, I remember um, Jim Nagy runs the senior bowl. He posts videos throughout the fall. Um, and I remember him posting a video of Quay Walker, like walking through a hallway, right? Like, pregame, walking probably in the tunnel and walking by or something like that and by the training room and being like, this is how you draw up a linebacker, right? Even in 1995, 6'3, 245 plays that's built like that, right? And now you're in 2022. You're going to ask these guys to do a lot more, but this is a, a, an impressive physical specimen that's going to come out. He's going to play in the box in the league, but you're not going to get Chris Barnes in man or even in zone against a running back out of the backfield or a slot or anything else. This is far from the days of Blake Martinez or Kamal Martin or Chris Barnes, anything else, right? So in their base, def- in their base 3-4 defense, which they're going to play 20% of the time, right, he's going to be a starting inside linebacker in their nickel 245 425 whatever you want to call it where they're going to play 60% of the time he's going to be a box linebacker right he's going to be an over linebacker with the ability to against when teams go 3 by 1 or however they want to do it if they don't want to bring a safety down if they want to stay too high which the packers genuinely generally want to do they can lighten up the box they can play that. They can try to bonus in a safety in the fit, but keep Quay Walker over the C, or out of the C gap or over the number three receiver, right? They can do all that stuff. He can cover tight ends. He can stick with tight ends. Um, he's going to be a guy that they're they're able to do a lot with because he simply has a, a vast skill set at a size that allows him to be flexible, right? I mean, I, you mentioned names in the lead up to this question: Jamari Lattimore, Nate Palmer, Brad Jones, Oren Burks. Like, what are we doing here, right? Like Quay Walker, physically, size-wise, athletically, conceptually, flexibility is an improvement over all those guys by a ton. And you talked about Brian Gutekunst. It's been a long time since we've been able to keep our two starting linebackers on the field and keep either in – We can where we can keep base on the field and adjust to what an offense does, or we can keep both of our starting linebackers on the field in sub packages. That's a huge deal right all of a sudden you don't need as much positional flexibility you don't need your fourth safety to beat your dime linebacker when you're able to do that and that's where it's going to be a part of that where you're just simply going to be able to leave your best 11 on the field and kind of figure it out now maybe it's your best 12 or your best 13 right like they're going to play um they're going to have a slot corner they're going to other but like it's as far as that goes like you're going to be able to leave your front six in there for the most part i mean it's going to be Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, and it's going to be Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell and some mix of Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed and Devontae Wyatt. And, um, you know, like that's Dean Lowry whoever else that's that's going to be the six. Right. And like that opens up so many more things, because then the other five are Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes and uh, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos and whoever that needs to be, whether that needs to be a third safety or a slot corner. If you want to play base, right? Like then you bring an extra D line it whatever you want it to be. Right. But like your built the ability to be multiple out of base personnel is invaluable. The dependence on sub packages and different personnel groupings can be crippling at times, right? Because of, of the ability to be manipulated into that subgrouping by the other team's personnel, when you can leave your dudes on the field, it doesn't matter who they put on the field. When you've got your guys there, you're in the best position to handle it, and that's what Quay Walker's going to do.
2: And it yeah. feels like the Packers are going to be less. Just to make this quick point, Russ, and I'll let you jump in. Is that you know we've talked about how the like Green Bay's defense was built and how they have to win, and it was to pray to God that they can stop a team on first and second down and get them into third and medium, third and long, to where it's obvious pass or get ahead and get into obvious passing situations so they can play their pass rushers and their seven DBs and six DBs or whatever it is that they were doing. Now, it feels like at least from a personnel standpoint, and it may not work out this way, but from a personnel standpoint, Green Bay can line up if a team wants to play 21 personnel, 22 personnel, and just kind of knock you in the mouth the entire game, Green Bay's got the defense to match up with that. And they can do it by preference instead of hoping to survive, which is something they've had to do in years past. Whereas like now, or if they want to spread you out, then it's like, like Owen said, they've got Alexander Stokes, Douglas Amos Savage, and they can still got guys who can rush the passer and Campbell and uh, Walker can both cover. So I think that they have a much better way to, like you said, being multiple is invaluable and they haven't been able to do that in a very, very long time and be successful at it. Russ, you were jumping in.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like, I'm going agree. I'm in agreement with Owen here that, you know, he's going to, drop into coverage quite a bit for them. He's a good coverage linebacker. He's he's going to be able to match up with running backs and tight ends and things. And also, even if he's not even on the same side of where a tight end is, if he's on the, the weak side of the field, like he's going to align from a 20 to a 50. So essentially head up over the, you know, one of the guards all the way into the C gap. He might even get into a 60 or a 90 outside of the, of the tight end or head up on the tight end. But those are going to be his alignments. But you mentioned a great point of, you know Gary and Smith on the outside and some combination of Wyatt and Reed and and Clark and and certain guys up front on that defensive line like those guys are going to eat up gaps and eat up space and all the garbage in that's going to allow Quay Walker to either get into his drops in coverage. It's going to allow him to come up and play the run, whatever it is that that he's assigned to do on that specific play uh, on a down and distance or whatever it might be. It's going to be a big plus to have a guy that can make an impact consistently on all three downs. And Walker's going to do that no matter where he's aligned again from a 20, 60 does not matter. And again, even if he is on the strong side, it's a big plus, but I do want to bring up something that Owen said, like, you know, from a weakness standpoint, you know, it's hard to, to really pluck and find a bunch of weaknesses with his game. I will say, I think he does struggle, you know, with taking on blocks and things like that. And I think part of it is because, you know, playing in that Georgia defense, those guys up front ate up so much space. They did so many different things that they were just so used to roaming free. And it's kind of the same thing with N'Kobe Dean. If he gets caught up in the wash, he's kind of screwed. Same thing here, where I think if Walker gets a little bit stronger, works his hands a little bit more efficiently, it probably works out a lot better for him when he's caught up in the wash. But that's why I say maybe he does at times on, on those, you know, first and second downs he's playing is that will, you know, are on the weak side and he's just playing through that 20 to 50 and he's able to kind of roam freely. But when there's times to match up with the tight end, the running back out of the backfield, it's a big plus to have a guy like this. And again, he mentions versatility within your alignment and being able to do a variety of things. That's exactly what's going to happen here with the Packers moving forward.
1: com.
2: A lot of different things going on in it, and it's just different. It is because we're not, I mean, think about how many years, like some of the guys we mentioned were in line to be their starting linebackers and they had the opportunity to take linebackers and they didn't. And they just kind of ran with it and whatever they saw uh, was the thing. I don't know what the change was. Uh, Brian Gudekunst, I remember – I think Bill Huber asked him about you know whether they've devalued that position in years past. And he kind of like laughed at it and said, Well, you know, I wouldn't say we've devalued it. It's like, well, Brian, you have. I mean, that's that's just the reality. When you're starting guys like Blake Martinez, fourth round pick, Kamal Martin, fifth round pick, you know, Jamari Lattimore, Brad, the guys we've mentioned. You have to value that position, whether by intent or I don't think it's coincidental if it's over 15 years. But I just wonder where the change was, because I know they talked about it after the NFC Championship game against 49ers, famously, where Blake Martinez was allowed to walk. They signed Christian Kirksey. Uh, Last year, they signed Devondre Campbell, but that was a value-free agent deal. This offseason, they gave Devondre Campbell a big contract and then took the 22nd overall pick as an off-ball linebacker. So it's different. And maybe that means better. Maybe it doesn't, but I will say, you know, a lot of people after the season was over, when anybody who clamored uh, to trade Aaron Rodgers away was saying like the definition of insanity, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's kind of the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. Definition of insanity. There would certainly be doing the same thing over and over again. Green Bay had done the same thing for over a decade and their defense has never been good enough. So I'm just going to be interested to see if it works out. And if nothing else like i said they have a lot of different weapons to employ against a lot of different teams and i think that's going to be the exciting part of this defense once it hits you know midseason and you got a better idea of what this group is going to be we got a little bit of time left uh russ owen so what i want to get from you guys here is we'll we'll put the quay walker thing aside for just a little bit i know we talked about some other stuff too but throughout this draft for the packers what you know russ let's start with you what was your favorite pick that green bay made in terms of like good player maybe it was a value thing maybe it was you thought this player was really good you know whatever whatever your reasoning on that may be
3: well it's certainly Devonte wyatt for me uh, there's been oftentimes on multiple radio shows and even my one in california that i do the producers a big time packers fan so he'll ask me questions on the packers all the time and when i look at pick 28 to land Devonte wyatt i've often said I, I think there's and again i'm not a big pro comparison guy i hate doing it But it is what it is to get the people going. I've always said there's some shades of Kenny Clark, I think, to his game. I think that's the potential for him to become a a Kenny Clark type of player. And he ends up going late in the first round, similar how Kenny Clark did. And I think Wyatt is so fluid within his lower half. He moves so well, the way he's able to change direction. I think that's key for him moving forward. He'll get stronger. He'll work his hands faster. He'll develop a better pass rush plan. He'll do all of those little things and eventually down the road when it's time for Kenny Clark to hang it up or or whatever happens, Devontae Wyatt's that replacement there, and I think he can serve a similar type of impact that Clark has served over so long here with the Green Bay Packers. So I really look at that pick and I I just, I overall, I I love that selection. I'm jealous of the selection in a sense. Again, the Lions had a great draft, but to land Devontae Wyatt as late as they did in the draft, I think was awesome. And I will just say, I think the combination of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs is, is really good for this offense. I think both of them serve a purpose vertically down the field. But I think in the short areas of the field as well, they're both explosive enough as, as playmakers. Once you get the ball in their hands, like they can make some things happen. And Watson, he's so versatile. You're going to see him play running back, H back, do a variety of things in this offense, I believe. Uh, at least I think, you know, LaFleur will get that going for him. So looking at those kind of three picks, it's it's really the, the players that stand up the most. And I think down the road, we'll be talking about quite a bit. Owen?
4: I think I'm going to go with Sean Ryan, uh, probably to the yeah. surprise of nobody. Um, but this is a guy I kind of mentioned was sort of – this process for me was kind of odd uh, or different because typically, like as a, um, just like a draft fan, I was much more adept to the entire country, right? Like I would see players across the country. I would know what was going on in the Pac-12, know what was going on in the Big 12, all this other stuff, along with Wisconsin and all the other – nationally televised games this year working for optimum i was very blind to a lot of the country so i would be lying to you if i had seen much or if any of sean ryan prior to the draft right like you you read enough draft stuff where you have an idea right he's, he's i know he's a college left tackle who's probably going to play guard in the nfl and and whatever right cuz but when i finally dove into his film yesterday i was i te- I, I texted the packers scout i was like Sean Ryan is going to be so effing good. Like, he's a guy that you can very much tell struggles with speed, right? So you can like, okay, well, that's fine. But looks like a guard, right? 6'5", 320, very thick through his lower half. Um, Big, thick legs, thick calves, thick ankles, right? Like, he's not a very top-heavy guy, which is good is not overwhelmingly physical, but is physical enough, right? Like he'll mix it up. He'll do whatever. Shows the ability to stay square in the run game on combos to work up to linebackers. Um, I think a little bit, like once he gets into a little bit more pro coaching, a little bit more of that stuff, they'll work. Uh, UCLA, you'd see a lot of their tackles would like almost start their stance with their shoulders cocked a little bit um, and not be completely square, which then one invites inside moves. And then two, your hips are already started to turn that way. It's You struggle to stay square in your kick set um, to, to adjust to rushers that way. So, to me, he's got a ton of potential. I don't know which guard spot he'll, he'll play at. Uh, but to me, I, I, I didn't see many technical flaws, which is good. Uh, just like I said, some of the really easy to fix little stuff. Also, he won't be playing in so much space at guard right? That'll be their thing. But moved really well in space as a puller, right? Well, one, showed as a puller, showed the ability even as a tackle to pull and locate his target through traffic, which is huge. And then two, did a couple of things on screens and like sweeps to get outside, showed the ability to adjust in space. Um, If there was one thing, he wouldn't always like go kill the DB, right? Like there's a lot of hesitance and kind of not knowing where the back is at and whatever. And I think you're always afraid and can't confirm due to prior experience, right? Like you're afraid to whiff in space because you don't want to not get any of them, right? So, like, to me, he showed a lot of uh the Packers are a big screen team, right? You're gonna get a lot of that. Moved well, can reach inside techniques, has a lot of lateral mobility. Um, so to me, I didn't see anything that I didn't like or that was glaringly like, ooh, we're really gonna have to work on that. Um, also really like the Zach Tom pick. Um, I'm biased again, cause the shrine bowl stuff, but he was a guy, I think that like, that was by a lot of people, we, we kind of pooped on the absolutes, um, of, of what we think we know. Right. But like a lot of people to their, to our, and their credit, um, identified Zach, Tom very, very early as like, that's a Packer player, right. Romeo dubs. That's a Packer player, Christian Watson. That's a Packer player. Right. So they still definitely have a type. So I didn't want to completely like, um, soapbox what we talked about earlier. Right. But, um, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, I think are two extremely promising young interior offensive linemen, uh, which is something we talked about last week as well, right? Like just because it has been a strength doesn't mean you don't continue to address it. So um, I think Sean Ryan's going to be really good. I think he's going to be, Sean Ryan gives you the flexibility to, if you choose to, um, and not that John Runyon doesn't already do this, but like Sean Ryan 100% gives you the flexibility to when you want to, bump Elton Jenkins to right tackle with no no hiccups I think that's the big thing he provides a ton of flexibility moving forward with whatever plan you want as well as fitting in with a lot of the positional versatility and cross training stuff that Green Bay does
2: yeah I agree on on that front and, and Elton Jenkins is going to be the right tackle I feel pretty good about saying that and drafting two maybe three more guards you didn't talk about Rasheed Walker but that was the other offensive lineman that green Bay took later. And that's the third year in a row that they have taken three offensive linemen in a draft class. So I can, again, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but if I were a betting man, I would be betting on green Bay, taking multiple. I don't know if it'll be three every single year, but I would bet on them taking multiple offensive linemen in the draft next year. So you mentioned the one guy I was going to mention that, which was Zach Tom. Uh, Not only that, you said he gives a, he was listed as a center when green Bay took him on the broadcast. So, A contingency plan at that spot, not the worst thing. Josh Myers has been dinged. Only started six games last year. He's been injured while he was at Ohio State as well. But uh, since you said all those guys, I'm going to go Romeo Dubs. Uh, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Christian Watson. And when Green Bay traded up to get a receiver, I was hoping that it was somebody different. But I'm not surprised at all that Green Bay loved Christian Watson just based on previous preferences, their types, all that good stuff. Um, But Dubs I do love. And something I think that you can say about him specifically, even if he doesn't catch a single pass, and he will, but even if he doesn't, you got to feel good about his ability to potentially address the return game, kickoffs, and punts. If nothing else, adds competition to those positions. And it's a position that Gutekunst has butchered over and over again since becoming the general manager to the point where the best returner that he's acquired since being the Packers general manager is – Tyler urban and nothing against Tyler urban, but that's a replacement level player that green Bay didn't even feel the need to resign. And they could have signed him at any point last year as they struggled and chose not to. Um, and we'll see very quickly. Like last year, I thought Amari Rogers was somebody that was going to be able to solve some of the punt return stuff. And from the first preseason game onward, he never looks comfortable. And you can always tell the way I can always tell you if somebody looks comfortable returning punts or not, is if you watch and if their feet look like Peyton Manning in the pocket where they're just kind of dancing as they're trying to catch the punt, they're not comfortable doing it. And a lot of Amari Rogers' punt returns looked that way last year. But Dubs can give them something at that spot. As a punt returner, he can give them something as a kick returner, and I think he'll provide some value as a receiver throughout the course of the year. So if somebody's got to go with a skill guy, I'll just be the one who does it, even if I cheated a little bit. Owen's oh, shaking his head. I guess I didn't have to do that. I could have just agreed with him. <laughs> We're out of time, guys. It's been fun doing this show together this is our last show with the entire group of us i will be back next week with ross uglum and jake morley russell brown will go back to being a big shot on the on the real radio (laughs) and and owen will be trying to find his wife which did we ever do that draft weekend he's shaking his head at me that's not no
4: she's i don't know probably hanging out with her boyfriend which good for mrs reese yeah (laughs)
2: That explains why Russ wasn't here the last two weeks. Okay, so that's where we're at. <laughs> you guys. The look been, on your face. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, uh, Russ. Before I did say earlier that we were going to get to the Lions thing. Just yeah, give me ninety seconds or less. Your take on them getting Love of My Life, Aiden Hutchinson, among the rest of their draft class.
3: Yeah. I mean, they drafted good football players. They got better. I mean, they fleeced the Vikings much like the Packers did as well. We took advantage of rookie GM and a rookie front office with uh, regardless of who's in there and who's not and rookie head coach. But yeah, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson falls to a lap much like Sewell did last year at seven and they just take good players in the trenches that they know are going to help and be building blocks. I've always said, you know, if there's a team that can that can take a, a quarterback in the top 10 of the draft that can afford to do it. The lions made a lot of sense if they took Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, probably Malik Willis, cause that's the splashier move and they didn't end up doing that, but taking the wide receivers just as splashy and they can still afford to swing. And, and if it misses, it's okay. Uh, it's one of those things where they, they needed to get better at wide receiver. They've got a one-year piece in DJ Chark. They struck gold a little bit with a St. Brown. They, they, Re, re-up uh, Josh Reynolds and things like that. So I'm excited about the future here. Jamison Williams, you know, maybe he doesn't play week one. I think he will. It seems like he's already back up and running. He's going to probably be fine. So it's one of those things where if he comes out and he has a Jalen Waddle type rookie season, I think you can live with that. And if the offense gets better, they score more than, you know, 15, 16 points a game. Like they were, if they're scoring 21, 22, I think it's a little bit better. Obviously you're scoring an extra touchdown and they lost a lot of close games last year. So maybe they win a couple extra games, but I'm excited. Pascal in the third round. That's a good pick. At the time I wasn't, I was setting my hopes up for the quarterback for something else, a little bit of a splashier pick in the second round, uh, but they took him. Him and, and that's okay. He's a good football player. He's versatile. Eventually, I think down the road he'll take the Michael Brockers role, and uh, it'll be one of those things. So I'm excited about the future. Um, you know, we'll see. I've been I've been excited before, and I've been disappointed many many years going. So we'll see. But it's it's fun talking Packers with you guys. I love doing it. It's always great, you know, catching up with you guys. And, and who knows? Maybe next year I'll be out in Vegas. Um, you know, doing big things with with Owen.
2: There we go. That is the hope. That is the dream. I will make a bold prediction. Right now on May 3rd at 9.05 p.m. This is subject to change. The Detroit Lions will finish second in the NFC North next year. So if that happens, you heard it here first. We're out of time. Thank you guys for listening. You could follow Russ. He's at Russ NFL Draft. Check him out over Cover One, Woodward Sports, all kinds of different stuff that he's doing. Owen Reese, you can find him at Reese Draft. Uh, kind of a downtime, I suppose, for him now, but good vibes going Owen's way. Those are things I know, and you guys will figure them out eventually soon enough as we get – uh, moving down the line here. And I, you can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. If you so choose to do that. Thank you guys for listening. We're out of time. We'll see you again next draft season. Kick back, relax, go touch some grass, do some fun stuff and tune into pack a day every single day. Thanks for listening. See you next time.